and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. I had the pleasure of catching up with Guy Davis today while he's on vacation in Florida. The Irish-born British citizen who spent time growing up in Africa and currently resides in the States finds variety his fuel. While Guy trained with Dover solo author Marsha Cleveland in the 90s, it wasn't until 2015 that he started pushing distance himself. Preferring the external focus of a race, his races started getting longer and longer over the last few years. Then Guy succumbed to the challenge of the English Channel. Not even COVID could stop him. While Guy swears solo marathon swimming isn't his thing, I wonder if he might strike out across another body of water before too long. I hope you enjoy this episode. Guy, thanks for being our guest today. What's your story? Um, uh, I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Um, nah. So my, my, story, my story is that um, uh, I'm a swimmer because my sister is a swimmer. So when I was a kid, I was the second kid and everything my sister did, I had to do. So I had to do the ballet lessons. I had to do the French lessons and then she did the swimming lessons. So I had to do the swimming lessons and then she was on the swim team. So I had to be on the swim team. I was actually petrified of water. And the only way that my mother could actually get me into the pool when I was a kid was um, she bought me fins and a sword so that I could like run off the diving board and jump into the pool. And I was armed in case any kind of evil creature was going to attack me. And then I would sprint at massive speed to the corner of the pool and jump out, you know, before anything could catch me. So this is how she got me to swim. Your mom's um, a genius. <laughs> she, she actually, well, I'll tell you another funny story. Um, when I was very tiny, um, I, apparently I climbed up onto the roof of our house and, um, the, you know, the nanny, um, you know, she left me in the care of the nanny was hysterical and I'm sitting up on the roof and my mother came home and, um, you know, this was not a great situation. So um, she said, you know, rather than getting hysterical, she said, oh, guy, you're on the roof. Said, how clever. You know, said, how did you get there? And knowing that I wasn't very articulate, I said, Oh, I'll show you. So I started climbing down, at which point she I was in like grab me. She's like, get it. <laughs> so she she definitely had some some parenting instincts that um, <laughs> that she probably needed from time to time. Um, but anyway, that that was kind of how it started. And then um, you know, I I was kind of like save it up Sammy and in the swim team I didn't really like training but I really loved the sprints at the end and you know kind of so that got me you know kind of and then you know, we started getting into the age group you know some competitions and it kind of went from there and then I was a, a pretty serious age group swimmer junior swimmer through till 18 when I finished high school and went on to college um, and then that was my last year of serious swimming um, because um, college swimming wasn't a very big thing in the in the UK at that point and my college didn't even have a, a, a pool mm-hmm. um, so then I just became after that a sort of casual swimmer and then a master swimmer and then a um, 
you know, kind of weekend warrior triathlete. I mean, I, I love to swim. I did quite a bit of swimming um, to stay fit, um, but not too serious. Um, and then um, I kind of got back, really pushed back into being much more swimming focused in my 40s um, because my hips had given up on me and I had hip replacements. And swimming was a, something I could come back to and I could, you know, do quite seriously and, and really enjoy. So that, that kind of really brought me back into the, you know, the master swimming world in the early 2000s. Um, and then, you know, since then, I mean, and by the way, I've always been an open water swimmer. I mean, my, my swim team in London, we used to have an annual trip, um, coincidentally enough, to Dover Harbour. And, um, you know, we'd all jump on the coach. We'd all head down to Dover Harbour. We'd all have ice cream and, on the beach. And then we'd had, we had a thousand yard race across the harbour um and it was it was fun um so you know and i grew up you know uh in my younger years um much of it was in africa and so swimming outdoors and and, um, and my dad was a you know loved um swimming outdoors a lot so i was always out out out, out in the water and then um so from 40 then i got back into master swimming i did a lot of a lot of open water racing i've always been as a triathlete and as a swimmer loved the open water stuff typically you know the one two three you know miles mm-hmm. um and then i sort of around about uh, i think 2015 i went to um swim vacation in bermuda for that round the sound race mm-hmm. and i thought oh, you know I mean, we, we can swim a little bit longer and then uh, uh i think the following year i entered the usms 10 mile which was um held by phil up in the kingdom mm-hmm. and that was kind of my, my first sort of foray into the ultra endurance um and it was really only facilitated but this is when i um my friend david said i said oh i'm thinking about doing a swim and it's about i don't have a kayak i said i'm a kayaker we're doing it so i had right. no excuse not to do it um logistically and we had it we had a, we had a blast we had a whale of time and then it kind of like i, I sort of drifted up to oh, maybe i should try some of these these longer swims and then around 2018 i was kind of um ready to uh you know, kind of sort of tempted by the channel challenge, which, which I, you know, I've known a lot about. I've swam with so many channel swimmers over the years. I, I swim so regularly with Bob Fernald in the 90s when I lived in New York. I swam a bunch with Marsha Cleveland, who's, you know, kind of a marathon legend at this point. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if that helped or hindered my interest in the channel because, yeah. um, you know, the intensity with which you know, I saw Marsha do her preparation. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is serious. Yeah. Um, but, but it, you know, I, I obviously knew it was there. I was kind of, kind of slightly interested. I always said, no, nah, I'm not, not interested. But then, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, peer sort of, pressure. A little bit of peer pressure, a little, <laughs> bit of, a little bit of midlife crisis, a little bit of, you know, kind of bucket list. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to do it, you better get on and do it while you still can kind of thing. So that's that's kind of what took me into my little excursion into the the ultra endurance world. But I, I mean, I'm always going to be in the open water swimming world mm-hmm. um, and I'm always going to be out there. Well, with John, I'm not going to be out there when it's 40 degrees. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to be out there with him when it's 55. Um, and uh, so... You know, that, that's really, you know, that's really the story. And then the last three years I've, I've done, you know, a kind of series of, of, of big things. And then um, I had a, had a very extraordinary COVID year, which, um, you know, was my, my channel slot. And, 
kind of all, you know, it was a little different from what I'd planned, but it ended up, you know, turning out really very, very well. I'm you know, extremely, uh, extremely happy with it. Um, you know, I suspect you shed the, the, the fins and the, and the sword at some point. Did you? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> okay. Well, my, my, my early, my early coach was not going to allow me to do the fins and the sword, but you know, you know, I'm sometimes tempted to think, you know, maybe that sword would help, you know, when you're out there and you're worried about the big fish, it's like, maybe the psychology of the sword is a good one. Um, you know, but did, you didn't have any fears after that initially, maybe even though you no, started doing it. I just no. I've I've always had you know I've always had sort of like lizard brain fears about uh, about the, I, I I don't think there's any well there may be some completely fearless people but I don't know how you can't have like normal human programming mm-hmm. and not be out there and experience some of these fears so yeah um, I think you just have you know and the more time you spend out there you know the more you know you, you feel comfortable with it but but the, you know it, it's an alien environment. Yeah. You know, there are these things that live in it that, um, you know, some of them might be inclined to eat you. Um, so it, it's not, a, it's not a, you know, it's not a stupid fear, uh, it's, <laughs> but it, it's just a statistically highly improbable um, yeah. thing to, to, to worry about that stuff. Yeah. And actually, and it's the other stuff I think that's um, the more challenging stuff. It's, it's the jellyfish and it's the, it's the cold. These are the real challenges you sometimes have have to deal with. Although, you know, every once in a while you do hear about an open swimmer having an encounter with, you know, a nasty beast. Um, And, um, you know, I'm I'm sure you all know those stories. So, um, yeah, but yeah, no, but, but, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not fearful, but it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's there. I like thinking of it as a lizard brain. I like I, I, that's going to help me compartmentalize it. So thank you for that. <laughs> but, so your first marathon swim was around the sound, you said, in like twenty. Yes, yeah, that was a ten k in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Then I. Did but you had the, been swimming in the nineties, you said, with Marsha Cleveland, and I had. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've been I've been swimming kind of forever on mm-hmm. you know, shorter open water swims. And you know, what was I, it that I, kind of sparked you to try doing this little longer thing? Um, I, I love variety. I love changing things up. I like, you know, setting new goals. I like, um, you know, even in the pool swimming, you know, I kind of have ups and downs and I'll, I'll sort of say, I'm going to do some distance this year, or I'm going to focus on my IM or this year, let's do a 200 fly. I haven't done one of those for a decade. You know, it's that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and so it was, a, it's the same with the open water. It's just like, yeah, slightly different challenges, new challenges pushing in, into, you know, out of my comfort zone into, into new stuff. And also an excuse to do, um, you know, to go different places and hang out with, with, with fun people. And it's, it's kind of the, the sort of swim tourist thing is, is kind of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like when you completed this first marathon swim? Was it? Um, it I was actually exhausted. I mean, it was quite warm. Um, there was basically no hydration on the course. Oh, goodness. Um, and I mean, they, they, they had a little bit of gay trade at the first couple of stops, but it seemed to be less and less of it as you had. Interesting. <laughs> so I got to the end of the 10K and it's like, oh God, I'm completely spent at this point. Um, and, uh, but it was great. I mean, it's gorgeous setting and, you know, have plenty of things to see. Um, great group, you know, in a, you're in a sort of vacation environment. Lots of my friends were there. So I had, I had, a, had a great time, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, they didn't just kind of like jump in there and crush it. I mean, I was, I was pretty mm-hmm. tired. Um, so, so I, you know, I learned that, you know, 
you need to be in good shape to yeah. complete marathon distance stuff. Why did, did you, why did you want to do something else long after that? <laughs> Challenge out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Um, you know, see what I could do. Um, and, and almost all of my swims I've done are actually races. So, mm. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of my motivators. I like to race. Um, I like to rate the shorter distances. And so, you know, let's see how I can do in racing the longer distances. And mm-hmm. I've only done one ultra endurance swim that's kind of a, a solo. Everything else is in the context of a, you know, a race, you know, Phil's races or, right. um, or, or other races. So I, I like that part of it, um, you know, and, and the race environment means you're there with a ton of other swimmers. So, right. you know, people high, yeah. so, and that, that, that to me adds to the atmosphere and the enjoyment and, and the challenge. Um, and that, yeah, I'm not sure I'm, I'm made to be one of these kind of people who just kind of goes out there on their own with their team and, you know, heads off some giant piece of water. And, um, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that hasn't, you know, that I've only done that once. It was great, but um, I, I think I'm still, I still enjoy the sort of the racing aspect. Um, yeah. That's good to know. Tell us about your first time in the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont. <laughs> it, it was great. I mean, it was the, it was the 10 miler, um, you, know, you know, who cannot enjoy hanging out with, you know, <laughs> Phil and um, his merry crew. Um, <laughs> weather was fantastic. Um, you know, great day. Lots of people I, you know, I know and love. Um, so great to hang out there. You know, great weekend. You know, really fun swim, um, and then you know, lots of beers with my kayaker afterwards. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, and you still perceive that as kind of a race, even though you're pretty much. I eventually, pretty soon, you're by yourself. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, it turned out that I wasn't um, okay because it was. Um, I, I mean, I was by myself for quite a bit, and then you know, there were literally there were obviously people all over the course, um, and I do remember. Um, poor old Chris Grafe was in that race and his less experienced kayaker than my kayaker seemed to take him on a kind of like a three mile diversion (laughs) somewhere. So I never saw him, Um, but I found myself um, coming alongside Laurie Hug and we were swimming together for quite a long time. Um, So actually I did have some company and obviously I have my kayak company. So it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the solo experience. Um, Uh, but you're right. I mean, obviously, on the big races, people thin out, and you can be pretty much out there on your own. But it's fun, though. It, it is energizing to come upon somebody and just be like, "Oh, you know, like who is that? Or should I catch that person? Or I don't know." So there, I, I get what you're saying about the, you know, the setting and kind of preferring yeah. that yeah. setting. Yeah, and it's, it's it's also beautiful. So you know, I, you know, and I'm also very lucky. I've never had a a sort of a, a, a big thing, you know, blown out or washed out by, mm. by the weather. So, you know, I've, you know, I've shown up and the weather's been nice and you know, had a great swim. So, um, you know, long way back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just jinx yourself. To, even for the channel, you had no, no problems for the English channel? Well, the, ch- the channel, the channel is a little bit different in the sense that my window was started on the 24th of September and, um, the weather forecast for the, you know, beyond the 23rd was horrendous. So my pilot, um, there was a brief weather window on the 21st and the 22nd. Um, so my pilot actually brought me forward to that window and he was a little bit nervous about it because it was a fairly brief window and a, a difficult to predict. Um, 
we went on my first day out of quarantine from, you know, the COVID quarantine travel. So I was kind of lucky that my quarantine ended just in time to jump into the window. And it was a very big tide. Um, and he was also struggling with um, whether he wanted to go later in the window and land during the day or earlier in the window, but having to land in the middle of a moonless night. So there were a, bun- there were a bunch of interesting considerations about that. But, no, but, I, I, but the window was there. So, um, and it turned out to be you know, a, a good weather window. Um, but it was quite brief and it wasn't part of the, you know, sort of the original, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the original 24th of September and beyond slot, which, um, you know, I, I, you know I, I've got some pictures of what Wendy showed on the 24th of September and it was, in, it was insane. I was still in, in Dover and it was insane. So there was no swimming happening um, mm-hmm. for quite a while. So again, I got lucky because they were able to shift my slot to, you know, shift my start to, uh, a time that uh, that worked um, yeah so tell us tell us about it <laughs> the one solo ultra endurance how did what was your training like how did um uh let's see um well first thing was i had a really good plan i mean i booked in 2018 i had a really good plan the plan was went great you know the build-up went great I had my intermediates like the border buster in 2019 and a whole bunch of other races I have you know all my training you know I, I'm it's really nice to see some of my my pod on here we've got Bob we've got Cheryl um got John Th- these are the guys I get to swim with really regularly so um I have I have a, an incredible infrastructure of you know sort of training environment um but uh, so that was all great. Um, I was a little beaten up at the end of 2019. I'd raced a ton. Um, so I had a few things I needed to work out in terms of, you know, physically getting, uh, going to get in 2020 was my sole focus, um, you know, channel swim. And I booked into, uh, in 2019, I, I got lucky and, um, a swim quest camp in Croatia, their long distance channel camp. They had a cancellation late. And so I actually jumped in a year earlier than I planned to, to do a week over there in Croatia. And that was actually very helpful for my 2019 swimming. So that was really good for my preparation. I was planning to go back to Croatia for two weeks in 2020. And then I finally got an invitation from Ned to go to Cork Distance Week in 2020. So I was going to build my um, training plan for the channel around those two camps plus. Um, but then, you know, obviously things changed in March. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, where's the water? You know, camps canceled. Um, so, you know, I had to do quite a bit of adaptation. I did a, a, a bunch of land training that I wouldn't have done, but actually probably was good for me. I, I have probably, um, do you say probably good for you? <laughs> I, I, I it's probably good for me. Um, <laughs> And I have this marvelous machine, which was invented in the 1960s. It's a resistance exerciser called an exogeny. Um, and I did like hours and hours and hours and hours using this exogeny. It's kind of like doing band work. Um, and that really substituted very, very effectively for being in the water. And then um, by the time, you know, May came around and, you know, the open water opened up and, you know, um, 
Bob and Cheryl are jumping in Kingston Pond. It's 50 degrees. And, you know, I'm kind of like edging in behind them. And yeah. Um, and, and Cheryl was on a, um, a, a, had a similar, you know, goals and build up. So I, I, you know, so Cheryl and I did quite a few of our longer swims together uh, and Bob designed a really nice sort of build up plan. So we did, and we have great, as I say, we have great open water in, in New Hampshire. So Bow Lake, Kingston Lake, and then eventually getting back into the ocean. Um, so I was able to do, you know, everything I needed to in terms of, um, you know, build up and distance and, you know, in a sort of slightly camp-like environment because I had company and I you know, had mentoring, coaching support. And, and so all of that was fine. And then uh, I also was very lucky, um, you know, I had to do my six hour, which I was planning to do in Croatia. Um, and I have a friend in, in Jacksonville in Florida, a lady called Erin O'Leary, who's a, a great marathon swimmer around Manhattan, Catalina, a bunch of other stuff. And she had, you know, a long time prior invited me to come with her to the Finger Lakes to spend time with Bridget, which was one of her kind of like training camp things. And I said, I'm doing Croatia, I'm doing Ireland, it's fine. But then, you know, once those fell away, it's like, hey, I can still do the Finger Lakes. So she sort of re-invited me and I went with her and with um, Ruth, who was on, on the call um, last week with Bridget. And we had this kind of like little mini camp and it was actually, it turned out to be a great mini camp. We did two, six hours. We did uh, a three hour. Um, and, you know, we got the, um, you know, we got the, uh, the six hour done, um, the qualifier done. The first six hour wasn't a qualifier because we couldn't find enough cold water because this mysterious Seneca Lake was blowing all the warm water to us. But then a couple of days later, um, it was, it, it was plenty cold. <laughs> um, and we got we got more than enough cold water to get the six out of. But that that was kind of like a nice substitute as well. Um, so and then back home, we did, um, you know, obviously all the sort of the, the regular stuff. And then um, one of the and actually one of like my highlights in the prep was um, we uh, there's an event over in London, in the, the UK that the British Long Distance Swimming Association do, which they call the Champion of Champions. And I'd happened to be in um, the UK on the weekend. It was offered in 2019 in Dover. So I went down and I did that and I really loved it. It was, uh, it's this thing where you do a five mile swim, a three mile swim and a one mile swim in succession. And there's a sort of fixed starting time for each of these swims and they do it fairly early in the season. So it was like 57 degrees, you know, fairly cool water. Um, and so part of the challenge is kind of like getting, you know, rewarming and getting back in, yeah. but you have, you have successively smaller, uh, smaller swims. Um, and we organized a, you know, what we called the sort of the Rye beach, you know, kind of champion of champions training day on a very similar format where, um, you know, we started each successive swim after, you know, a, a sort of fixed time. And we, we made it slightly more ambitious. I think we ended up doing more like, you know, kind of closer to 642 mm. as to 531. Um, and because, you know, it was on the beach, you know, we could get a bunch of people there and be socially distanced. And because everybody was like so lockdown crazy, just had so many people from around the area show up. And it turned into this kind of like jamboree. It was, it was great fun. And then we had a big sort of socially distanced pizza party afterwards. So it turned it, you know, and for me, it was fabulous because I had, awesome. I had, I had really good swimming company the whole day. Um, and we hammered it pretty hard. So, um, 
you know, the, the distance was good, but the intensity was, was there. And, um, I, you know, I loved that. So that, that was a really, really solid um, day. And then we did a very similar thing about a month later, just before I left. So that was the preparation phase. Um, and so I left feeling very strong, um, very ready, headed over um, because of COVID. You have to do this 14 months isolation. Because of COVID, my crew you know, couldn't afford to take a month away to mm-hmm. do this and that. So yeah. I was very lucky to recruit replacement crew from friends I'd made in the Croatia camp in 2019, who both swimmers, one's a channel swimmer, both have crewing experience, actually had crewing experience together. So that was great. Um, you know, it's like... It's it's much nicer traveling alone, traveling together than traveling alone. But but I had that substitute. So then I had I sort of lived through, survived through quarantine. It's a bit isolated, but you know we have the internet and um, that that's great. Um, you know, you, they call it the Dover coaster over there. This kind of roller coaster of when are you going to go? What's going to happen? You, you live through that. And I was a little bit stir crazy from quarantine, and I was probably too much in my own head um, mm. for that period as a, as a result of it. So I was, I was pretty, pretty mentally, you know, wound up when mm-hmm. the day came. And um, I, as I was mentioning earlier, it was a, it was a call about, um, you know, when do we go? Do we go on the two o'clock afternoon mm-hmm. tide when the wind is beginning to drop and then it'll drop as we continue through the swim but we land, we do half the swim in the middle of the night and we land in a moonless night. Mm-hmm. So, so Stuart Gleason, my pilot um, from the Sea Leopard, was, um, he was, you know, fretting a little bit about that because it's, it's hard to, to land your swim. It's a little harder um, mm-hmm. to keep them safe. But he, he, he liked the security of, the, of knowing the window was going to be clean from a weather point of view. Because if we'd gone um, on the next tide at night, we'd have been swimming into the day but there was a risk that the wind was going to come back and take out the back, <clears throat> back half of the swim and make it very, very problematic. Um, mm-hmm. And he was also a little bit um, uh, conscious of the fact that we were going on a spring tide, a very big seven meter tide. So we were going to be doing a lot of, you know, moving up and down the channel uh, as a result. But um, I mean, I was very interested in all this um, and I kind of got myself ready for either scenario, but I really wanted to go. And I was really, really happy when you said, we're going to go on the, you know, the afternoon tide on, on, on the Monday. And I, you know, I, I would, there was a little bit of trepidation about the night swimming. I, I practiced the night swimming, um, but I hadn't done the, as much night swimming as, um, as we were going to do. Um, but, um, you know, my crew, they were great. I mean, they were just so calm and say, don't worry about the night swimming. It's, it's really quite serene out there. You know, you'll be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they all knew each other. And even my, my observer turned out to be my, one of my crew's crew. <laughs> when she had swum the channel three weeks earlier, oh, she had wow. brought, she'd brought her date forward a year, which was kind of amazing because um, she'd been prevented from doing a Jersey to France swim by her weather window being blown out. And then because of the, obviously, um, the various changes around, around covid a slot became available her, for her to do the channel, which she hadn't been planning to do until, the, until this year. Um, so she'd done the channel. Um, and, th- and so they were a really good crew. I mean, they were, they were just 
very comfortable with each other, really professional. Um, so I, I've had total confidence in the whole thing. Um, so, you know, you just say, yeah, let's go. Um, and off we went. Um, and it turned out to be um, a pretty, pretty serene experience, actually, because um, although it was, it was kind of a little bit lumpy at the beginning, you know, and you have those wobbles that say, oh, yeah, how long are I going to have to handle this? <laughs> it, 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 it became quite calm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went through just a beautiful, beautiful um, early fall um, day, but 64 in, 64 out. So conditions were great. Beautiful. You know, I had the boat to my left. I had the sunset to my right. So the sunset illuminated the boat and I could look out and I could see the sun setting. And then just after the sunset, the, the, the crescent moon was behind it in pretty much the same trajectory. And so then the moon set. And so, um, and that, you know, and all these kind of like brightly lit, you know, ferries are passing by. So it was really very, very serene. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and it was really, it was my crew who did a lot to help me get in that mindset to really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- those were the things that, um, you know, sort of uh, the sort of special unexpected things that helped me with the whole mental process of getting through it. And the swim itself almost went perfectly. I mean, it just literally, we, you know, we got in the rhythm, we got in the zone um, and just like, you know, to feed, to feed, to feed. Um, I, you know, I felt, you know, I felt weary, but I felt strong the whole mm-hmm. way. And it almost went perfectly, even as we kind of like headed into the night. You know, no, we just you know, kept, kept kept moving, um, and it was great. Um, and you know, you say the, al- almost perfectly. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I call it the curious incident of the half hard boiled egg in the night. Um, so, <laughs> one of my kind of feed um, eccentricities is I have a fairly conventional feed. I, you know the Carbo Pro, and uh, I like a little bit of um, mushed oatmeal from time to time. But I also have been using um, hard-boiled eggs, um, half a hard-boiled egg, you know, just in a few of the later feeds to put a little bit of protein in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it worked great for me in earlier swims, and I, so I tested it. So, um, yeah, I, middle of the night, you know, I don't know where we were, but anyway, it's the, it's the first you know, hard-boiled egg feed. So they give me the half hard-boiled egg. They've been the whole the whole time. Stuart has been like, he's been a bit of a sort of feeding Nazi. I mean, the very first feed, um, you know, I'm oh, great first feed, you know, lovely warm feed. Stuart runs out from the pilot house and he shouts, "Quick feed, quick feed, quick feed!" And it's like, whoa! <laughs> and so and, so all, and then my crew and the observers have quick feed, quick feed. So it's like, oh yeah, quick feed, quick feed. I mean, obviously he's he's trying to keep the feeds nice and yeah. fast because he's you know, trying to run me to the right spot. So, so oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting in the habit of really of pushing the feeds down for me pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I know some people can feed amazingly fast, but anyway, so I'm in this kind of quick feed mentality and I'm chewing down this boiled egg and the boiled bits of boiled egg are going everywhere and getting kind of, and then a, a goddamn piece of egg white just lodges itself in the top of my airway. Oh goodness. And it's like, ah, I got rid. I can't breathe. So, so I turn over back into the swim. It's like, I'm like coughing and I'm really trying to get rid of this egg white. And I'm like coughing and coughing and coughing. It's like, oh 
my God, it just won't go. It won't go down. It won't go up. Uh, and, and, you know, so I'm doing this for a while. and I'm trying to keep swimming up very quickly, you know, with my crew looking down at me thinking, <laughs> going on. What's it? And, you know, later on, they said, well, we weren't sure whether you were coughing or whether you were puking, but we were sure that you weren't going to get any more boiled egg. Uh, <laughs> so, but it, it eventually it settled. And then, you know, after a while, my breathing was fine. I don't know where the piece of egg white went, but that was kind of like my sort of slightly scary incident um, in what was otherwise very, very smooth, you know, kind of, kind of swim. Um, and then, you know, you just swim. And then um, I kind of I had no idea where I was. And I couldn't see anything. It was completely black. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, just the boat was lighting me. But then at some point, I actually saw a light up on my right. And I thought, that's got to be the lighthouse on the cap. And so I thought, okay, we're, we're you know, we're getting somewhere here. And, then it t- and that turned out to be the case. Um, and I had no idea where we were relative to the light. But um, then, you know, eventually, um, you know, I, kind of, I remember, that, I remember that my penultimate feed, I was thinking, oh, I hope this is the last feed. I hope this is the last feed. And then they, they fed me and it's like, they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. It's like, okay, so I had just have to keep going. I don't know where I am. I don't know where land is. It's like, how many more? And then, but the next feed, um, it's like, last feed. So it's like, way. <laughs> and then um, they, they threw the little tender boat um, off. You know, they were towing a tender boat. Sean, the co-pilot, jumped in there. And it's like blackness ahead. And then he had this kind of like, you know, helmet, um, spotlight and they were showing a spotlight from the boat and then they kind of guided me in and we kind of landed literally in front of a cliff face Wow! Um, just on the, the northeast side of the cap um, I was to discover it's like I'm, I get there it's like okay I can't get any further you know, yeah. I climb, climb on a rock or something and then they blew the horn and, and, and that was that but um, no I mean just very in a sense, very other than that stupid egg thing, you're quite low drama, very, um, you know, just in the rhythm of the, of the whole swim. So, um, you know, kind of almost enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Should you book another one? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it, it's really funny. I, I jump out. My crew is um, WhatsApping my family um, with really good regular updates. And they WhatsApp a picture of me, you know, back on the boat. And my wife, Barbara, says, oh, he looks great. He looks fine. <laughs> Bro, man, he can do it again. <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not planning to book another one. I think as far as the channel is concerned, I'm, I'm, I'm very happily one and done. Um, but but it, was, it was great. Um, uh, kind of different from everything I imagined. I mean, you imagine running up on the beach and getting your pebbles and now, these are all the videos you see of people finishing their swim. Right. Um, but, you know, for me, it was kind of like, oh, well, okay. But <laughs> Climb up it. on a rock. Oh, like they, they, they told me I made it to France, right? I mean, <laughs> I've had limited independent verification of that. They, they told me this is France. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, what's, what's the swim you're most proud of? Um. <laughs> I, I'm actually pleased. I, I've been very, very happy with all of my sort of endurance swims. I, I, I'm, 
I'm not, I, I'm kind of happy with them. I'm not necessarily sort of proud of them. I, I'm happy with them. The thing I'm, I think I really reflect on being proud of is the, the whole channel plan and how I executed the plan. So it wasn't so much the swim. I didn't have to do anything, you know, sort of you know, above and beyond and you sort of dig deep and, you know, sort of survive an arm falling off or any of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and, and some people do. Some people go through, extra, you know, they push themselves through extraordinary limits to get to, get to complete their, um, their swim. But the, but the process, the build-up process, I'm actually very proud of how I designed and executed that for me um, and the, you know, the adjustments along the way that were necessary um, and just kind of like sticking with it through, um, you know, the sort of the COVID disruptions and, you know, keeping to, um, you know, adapting, but keeping to, to the goal. And then, you know, I, I'm obviously proud of, of, of how I executed the swim. I, I wound myself up. Um, yeah, I think prepared myself very, very well mentally. And that was a really interesting process. All that mental preparation, maybe a little over, over prepared mentally. But, um, but so, so yeah, so obviously it gives me, and, and, you know, I only had this one big, you know, sort of solo endurance swim on my resume. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm going to be, um, you know, be very happy with that. Mm-hmm. But not you're not going to do any other solo. You think you're one and done channel, one and done solo, going back to races. I'm definitely going back to races. Um, this year is a kickback year to um, just kind of regroup and sort of make decisions about what you know what I want to focus on next. Um, I, I I have always enjoyed I have enjoyed swimming um, the Manhattan short Manhattan races I've done. Mm-hmm. And I love venue events um, and the idea of swimming around Manhattan Island it kind of excites me. So if something pulls me back, I think I'll probably, I, I actually did try to, um, I, I tried to get a lottery place a couple of years ago um, for 20 bridges, you know, around Manhattan, but um, I wasn't successful in the lottery. So I, I will, I will, probably um you know look for a lottery place to do manhattan at some point in the future but um I'm, you know I'll, I'll wait and see i i kind of i go through these cycles of um sort of swimming focus and after i've had a big focus whether it's a big pool meet or a you know whatever i, I like to kind of kick, yeah i try to, yeah. <laughs> I like to kick back and then decide where to go next so that's kind of where i am right now um but I, but you know i love open water i'm, I'm going to do you know, unlimited open water as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many other long swims I, I want to do? I, I'm not sure. I haven't made any plans. Yeah. Is there anything you haven't finished? Um, I failed to finish a half Ironman um, in uh, when I was younger, living in the DC area. Um, it was just like an unbelievably hot day, and um, I just pulled myself out on the run. Um, I was just, you know, I was feeling dizzy and I was thinking, yeah, you know, they need me at work on Monday. I, I, you know, <laughs> uh, discretion better, um, part of valor, but, I, but, um, I, I don't think in, in the, in the swim, um, I mean, as I say, I've only taken on a few of these really, really bigger swims and I've been very lucky with the circumstances. So I don't think I've had a, a swimming DNF, not mm-hmm. one that I can remember. Mm-hmm. 
kind of coming at your swims from this kind of like racing perspective, like how yeah. do you um, handle, I don't know, like do you, do you find yourself like in the middle, like, Ooh, there's somebody up there. I'm going to go get them and just kind of be trying to pick people off the whole way. And <laughs> that mentality definitely helps. And I think the reason for me it helps is it gives you an external focus for, you know, what you're trying to do in your swim. And I definitely, even with the channel, I'm not racing anyone. I mean, there were only two people who went on my tide. So, I mean, I, and I never saw them. And in the middle of the night, you're not going to see anyone anyway. But I, I find that type of mental um, approach very helpful because it's outward. Um, it's not, you know, I, and, and I find when I get into trouble mentally, it's when I'm, think, it's, I'm too inward. I'm thinking about, oh, am I getting cold? Am I, you know, uh, whereas if you've got an outward focus, it's like, no, it's like I'm, I'm getting there and, and you know, you know I'm, I don't want to get this, this, get that this person get too far ahead of me and I don't want this person to catch me. So I need to stay on my zone. So I think it's, it's that as much as anything, as, as, as actually the racing per se that helps me at least mentally on these longer swims in you know the when when the conditions might otherwise you know kind of have you thinking about other things mm -hmm. yeah so what kind of um mental preparation did you take on going to the english channel knowing you're not going to be able to pick off your opponents <laughs> well um the cold preparation for me was the the biggest thing that i really had to handle um the the cold uh you know the the um the qualifying swims in the cold, I found very, very hard. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew that, you know, I, I didn't know what it felt like being in English channel temperatures for 12 hours or whatever it was going to be. Um, so I knew I needed to have a sort of a mental game for that. Um, so that, so I, I did quite a bit of um, preparation around sort of cold protection, visualization and self-talk. Mm -hmm. that I, that I took in, into the channel. Um, and I, you know, I developed, yeah, sort of visualizations that, that, that really worked for me. And, and for me, it's, uh, for me, it's all about the engine. Um, it's like you keep the engine running, the engine you know, drives the heat. And if you can just, you know, if you can, can do that, then you, know, you get yourself into an equilibrium that, you know, you might be cold on the outside, but you're driving the engine, you're keeping moving forward. And, you know, you, you know, the, the cold can, you know, wait for later. Um, so that those sorts of visualizations I worked on quite a bit. Um, and uh, I, I, sometimes I need a little bit of distraction. So I, have, I use mental playlists. I use just loads and loads of mantras. And, you know, I'll sometimes develop a mantra for the moment. Um, I, I really like using my environment to you know, create positive energy and, and all of that stuff, literally all of that stuff, the mental preparation I'd done, you know, helped me in the channel. Like it, the, the whole thing, you know, every single piece of it, I, I, I found some of it that, that worked for me at a particular time. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when the cold came in um, and I started, you know, kind of feeling a little bit inside, you know, I was very resilient to the cold. Um, because, you know, just I mentally prepared, um, you know, as I got tired, um, I, you know, again, I had, I was mentally prepared for that in the darkness. And, you know, I, I prepared myself for the, 
you know, taking positivity out of all of that rather than negativity out of all of that. So, um, I, you know, and I had two weeks in quarantine with nothing to do but, you know, you know look for strange hypnosis tapes and, you know, work on my mental playlist and, and, and that kind of thing. So um, that, 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 that stuff was, um, you know, was great. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but you said no, no, that? No. Well, I, the, the but was that I got to the end of the swim and I was still mentally very wound. Um, mm. So the you're ready to go was, back. <laughs> well, in a sense, you, you, you could, you could keep going because the mental thing was there, but um, the really strange thing was like coming down from it after mm. the swim Interesting. took me much longer than I had expected. I thought I was just kind of like kicked back, but I was really kind of mentally revved up. And obviously there's the sort of, you know, the, the pleasure, the gratification, the euphoria of completing this thing that you've been working on for a while. And so you put that into the mix and it's like, wow, I was, I was amped. So, um, you know, and I was surprised at how sort of persistent that feeling was in the kind of the days and weeks. Um, I know a lot of people, I th- well, I think, I think some people experience um, kind of depression after mm-hmm. they've completed a big swim because it's like, what am I going to do next? And, you know, this goal that they've been working towards this kind of emptiness ahead of it. Um, I didn't have any of that. I just had a nice kind of buzzy afterglow, um, which um, I, you know, I, I thought was, I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is, that is interesting. And I, yeah, I was trying to think somebody, I can't remember who it was. Somebody was saying it was like, for them finishing a swim is like finishing a really good book, but that, but they didn't want it to end, you know, and it just, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to get the buzzy afterglow, even if you took some time to decompress mentally, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah. I, that's, that's, how, those are some very good mental technique or preparation techniques that you shared. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, what about, uh, have you learned anything about yourself from marathon swimming? Um, yeah, I'm a real pussy in cold water. I'm just <laughs> such a wimp. Um, so, you know, that's true. Um, but I mean, you I, went I th- into the English Channel, so you overcame. I think that's... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think it was I think it was good to, um, you know, it was definitely good to push myself out of, well out of my comfort zone and take something on and, um, and you know, kind of prove to myself that, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, I can do this. Um, I'm not sure I learned um, very much about myself. I, th- I think, I think I was, rel- I mean, my wife will probably disagree, but I think I was relatively self-aware around my strengths and weaknesses, and I think I, I my plan was um, quite well designed to make the most of my strengths and to really, you know, make sure that I could, you know, could, could get through those weaknesses. Um, so. I, I'm not sure that there was something special. I think it just kind of like, um, you know, reinforced the things that, that I, I've learned, um, you know, and I kind of used them sort of even more effectively in, in that environment, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Um, what motivates you to keep going? So you've got your kickback year, but what motivates you to just keep? Well, I, I, I just, I just love swimming and I particularly love swimming outside. So I don't need, I actually don't need any goals um, to, to motivate me. The goals are great. They really add to it, but um, you know, I'm very happily at the moment in Northeast Florida uh, in Jacksonville, and there's a great ocean swim group down here. So I'm incredibly lucky that I can swim in the ocean 
now before you know the northern states can and it's just you know every time i jump in the ocean it's a different weather conditions different environment different swim but it's great and um you know that you know that's the piece that um you know the the events the goals all that stuff are, are terrific but that's why i do it because i just you know love being out there and um uh you know, to me, and, and I, I like the pool. I mean, if I have to be in the chlorine box for the winter, I have to be in the chlorine box for the winter. And, you know, I'm going to have fun, um, you know, uh, with the workouts and, and, you know, the events and stuff. So, mm-hmm. that's great. What um, advice would you give an aspiring marathon swimmer? Um, have fun, enjoy the journey, um, make the most of, everyone around you that you spend time with um, because I mean, there's, there's, I think there's so much that you can enjoy with that. And I think possibly particularly for marathon swimming, there is this risk that you're going to get to your event destination and you're not even going to be able to get in the water because, you know, the conditions won't allow it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think, I think be really, really enjoying the journey and really making the most of the journey um, I'm, I'm definitely better at that now than I used to be. And, you know, for, for me, part of the whole channel thing was like, I'm going to have so much fun going to Ireland and going to Croatia again, and going to do these swim vacations and camps. And that's going to be so cool. Um, as, you know, as well as the event itself. And, and I, it, the more I think you can, um, build that into your, um, your sort of your experience of marathon swimming, um, I think the more you're going to just you know you're inevitably going to get get more out of it. It's it's not it's it's much more about the journey for me than it is the destination. Although the destinations are awesome, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, um, cherry cherry on the cake, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I, the, the the other thing I personally believe in, and I others you know, I'm a huge fan of variety. I mean, I love variety and everything I do in all of my swimming, but from, from, from marathon swim, I'd say, make sure you get variety, swim in the ocean, swim in every condition, you know, swim in the lake, swim in every condition, you know, swim cold, swim hot, swim, you know, get, get that variety. It, it'll, it'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It'll build your resilience and it will definitely help you, I think, in whatever marathon goals um, you're setting. So that, I think those two things. That's, that's, Good advice. Thank you. <laughs> Who's inspired you in your marathon swimming journey? I'm, I, I did think about this because I've, I've heard you ask this question um, of lots of other people. Um, I'm inspired, I think, mainly by the people I swim with, the people you know, around me. Um, so I'm inspired to be swimming with Cheryl and Alyssa and Bob. You know, these, you know, they're tough ladies working on big goals and, you know, you, you can, you, you can see the focus that they're, and, and, you know, these are, each one of them is taking on challenges that are pushing them beyond where they've been. And I think that's inspiring. Swimming with Marsha was kind of, it was a little extreme in the sense that it's like, wow, you know, but, but again, it was inspiring to see that focus, um, you know, that process, that determination. Um, so for me, it's, it's the people I know and I swim with mainly. 
Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of inspired by the, you know, the, 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 the big swims, the famous swims. Um, but I, I'm, in, in a way, I'm more in awe of them, or I'm more kind of marveling at them than, you know, the sort of the personal inspiration. The personal inspiration for me comes um, from these great people I, I, I hang out with and I get to swim with. And you know, Melanie is another one. I mean, she, she was actually very inspirational to me because. Um, I, I hope I, if you have her on, I, I haven't stolen her thunder, but, but her, her story, I, I'll give very briefly. So in Croatia, she showed up to um, prepare to do a channel relay and she was only going to do a two hour um, qualifying swim. And we jump into the qualifying swim and before we know it, you know, Melanie, oh yeah, no, I've just done the six hour qualifying swim. So, um, ever, so she kind of very quiet, just have, have, said, wow, that's so great. Um, and then, uh, so she does her relays and she signs up for this Jersey thing and say, like, well, she can't, you know, the Jersey thing is blown out. So, oh, so I'll, I'll do the channel. <laughs> um, yeah. it's like, wow, that's really brave. I mean, I'm not sure I'd be ready a year ahead of, you know, the goal I'd set myself to, to go do that. So that that's inspiring. And then the cra- the craziest thing was that, uh, the, the story of, of, you know, her, 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 a swim, which was, she starts in the middle of the night, she's heading down onto the marina with all of her kit bags and her phone and her water bottle and her backpack with everything. It's the middle of the night and she walks off the marina and drops into the water, just literally just before she's supposed to get on the boat. And she can't get out because she's like got all this waterlogged stuff. So it literally took four guys, including Stuart and Sean, the pilot and co-pilot of my way, and her pilot and his coach to drag her out while she's completely sodden. You know, she's oh just gosh. about, she's just about, it, it's cold, it's dark. She's just about to jump in to do a channel swim. And it's like, I'm thinking, how would I handle that? I mean, that yeah. is, that is, uh, yeah. but she, she says, oh, no, no. I, I'm fine. She said, I was thinking, oh, I, I hope they don't, I hope they don't make me not do the swim. I really want to do the swim. So they, they strip her off, you know, they, they, they hang all her clothes up all over the boat to try and dry them off. Um, and she's just, you know, she just goes and she jumps in the water and she just kind of like gets on with it. Um, her observer notes are hilarious. You know, it's like observer notes. Well, Melanie fell in the marine. All her clothes are completely sodden. They hung up all over the boat, which now looks like a Chinese laundry. Um, oh, God, the wind's picked up. And I think Melanie's trousers have just blown off into the channel. So, so all that stuff. And then in my observer's notes, Deborah, who is um, Melanie's crew, is writing, well, we're halfway across the channel and are keeping an eye out, but still no sign of Melanie's trousers. <laughs> so... So just that they, the, the way in which, that her calmness and, you know, sort of focus on, on you know, not letting stuff like that, 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 you know, it's not, it's not big inspiration, um, but it, but it, it's, it's kind of real, um, yeah. you know, seeing how people deal with these, uh, these little things. And then the other person who um, I haven't met, but I'm just like um, in awe of is a lady called Jackie Coble, who I hadn't heard of when I was over in, um, uh, over in Dover, it was, the anniversary of the battle of Britain and plays flying over and Jackie's a huge British patriot. I think she actually lives in Dover and um, she's posting all this really cool stuff about, you know, Dover being bombed during the war. And, um, you know, she quite possibly had family who um, went through all that. Um, And so she's this really kind of tough uh, patriotic lady. 
she swam the channel um i think quite recently and set a record for how long uh the mm. longest she was out there for 28 hours wow. and so this is a lady who is um just not gonna give up you know mm-hmm. she's she's out there and she just you know she's just gonna keep going until she got there yeah uh, so that stories like that i find um, and you you won't you won't hear about you won't hear they, you don't see the headlines written about these people, mm-hmm. but there there are so many people like this who have great stories, and I think I think they're very inspirational. They're, they're fun and they're inspirational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree a lot. Um, thank you very much for sharing your story today. Thank Guy. you. I really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you for inviting me on. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash Marathon Swim Stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.